0: Welcome to Defending Digital, I'm Chad Warner. Today's topic, Digital Privacy and Identity Management, an interview with Catherine Noel of Sphere Identity. I had the privilege of interviewing Catherine Noel, CEO of Sphere Identity, a company that offers a digital identity system. Noel has been involved in the digital privacy space for years, helping consumers and businesses. Unfortunately, there were some issues with the audio, so I had to re-record my side of the interview and insert those sections into place i'm not an audio professional and i apologize for the poor audio quality i hope you still find the interview informational and motivational let's go back in time what piqued your interest in digital identities and privacy in the first place
1: um to be totally honest i've got no idea when this started it's probably my personality um i've Traveled a lot, and when you travel, you see people and countries where privacy levels are different, where they're often unsafe, where governments play good or bad roles. And working in the tech space, that means that you always need to build tech that is neutral, but taking into account that it can be used for bad things as well as good things. And that's probably where it started.
0: What are the biggest challenges or threats consumers face related to digital privacy?
1: The biggest challenge is that there are so many applications out there people use every day and consumers don't really have a good understanding of how they work and they shouldn't really need to unless they work in the space. But some are very safe and some are unsafe and it's unclear which are which and Consumers still have an attitude that, oh, I've got nothing to hide. But I don't think we can assume that anymore because even if we have nothing to hide, we want our data to be safe and not in the hands of bad actors. And the number of hacks that we're seeing, like the Instagram one that was announced three days ago, just show that even if it's only social media and if it's only pictures that you're sharing, which you're quite happy to share and therefore they're not private, the fact that your email address and password are compromised means they can be used for other things. So it's not so much about wanting to keep things secret. It's about being really safe digitally. And consumers are having trouble with that at the moment and it's not their fault. Companies need to play a better role in educating people and building safer software.
0: Yeah, I commonly hear people say, well, I don't care about privacy because I don't have anything to hide. Uh, but they really don't stop and think, you know, would you want to be photographed uh, anywhere and, and everywhere? Or would you want to be uh, recorded on video uh, at all times and everywhere that you go? No, <laughs> everyone cares about privacy to some extent.
1: No, and you assume that most things aren't. You assume if you're just typing it on your computer, that that's yours and that's not really always the case. So it's a real dilemma because we can't expect people to understand how systems work. That's not going to be the answer. So the answer needs to be pressure put on tech companies to do things properly. And GDPR is probably the start of that and other privacy legislation like we're seeing in California. But there's still a long way to go
0: what are your top recommendations for what people should do to protect their privacy and data?
1: Use an encrypted email provider. I'm really surprised by the amount of things people send via email, unencrypted, mm-hmm. really valuable documents, information about themselves that they might be sharing with a friend, but it becomes really public, at least to... Um, internet service providers, and email providers. So encrypted email is really important. If you're using um, any sort of messaging, then use something that's encrypted, and it's difficult to know which are best at the moment, but um, Telegram's good, Threema's good, and you probably need to look online for the latest advice about which are the best at the moment. And using simple tools like Signal for SMS so that you can choose to have encrypted SMS with people that you want to have private conversations with are just really valuable and they're simple to use. Fortunately, with these tools, they've put, pushed a lot of the difficult security to the back end so the user experience isn't as bad as it was 14 years ago.
0: Yeah, it's come a long way since the days where you had to configure PGP in your email client in order to send uh, secure emails. Uh, I just did a post recently about uh, secure messengers and why they're a much better alternative to just sending um, sensitive information through unencrypted emails or through plain text messages.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right.
0: How do Sphere Identities products help people take control of their data?
1: Sure. So we have an identity app that people can download. It's free. And what it does is enable you to store all of your identity documents in one place. What we've built is a self-sovereign solution. That's a terrible term. (laughs) We can't change it. Um, But what that means is that individuals control all of their data. So that means they get to choose who they share it with, when they share it, if they choose to share it and then change their mind, then they can revoke access. And we didn't just do this for drivers, licences and passwords like many identity solutions. We actually can hold over 41 different types of documents. So this might be things like your phishing licence or your school certificate or other things that you might need one day and together they help tell that you're a genuine person Um, but really we've provided a safe place for people to store those and being a self-sovereign solution that means we are only the software provider so we can't see any of the data we've built it so that's really impossible and so all we're doing is providing a really secure platform and application so that people can manage things by
0: themselves So once a person has the Sphere Identity app installed, um, they've got their documents loaded into it, what are the the use cases? How would a person use this? Where would they go to share their documents or or have those documents read?
1: Sure. So next time they need to apply to rent somewhere, they apply for a mortgage, um, they try and open a new bank account, or they just try and enroll in a course somewhere and somebody says, oh, we need these documents from you, then they've got them in one place. If the organisation that they're sharing the documents with is registered with us, then there's an even more seamless and fully encrypted way of sharing. Mm. Without that, it's still a really useful tool because you've always got things with you. And if you're using, for instance, encrypted messaging or email, then you yourself can make sure that that's continually encrypted.
0: Okay, so there's a level of benefit that a person could have uh, by having their documents all in one place, securely stored in the app. Um, even if the organization that they're, that they're communicating with isn't yet registered with Sphere Identity, doesn't uh, yet have the ability to um, securely read the information, they could at least have all of their documents in, in that one place. How do you recommend that people stay informed of digital privacy issues? Are there any particular sources that you recommend?
1: There are a few, but there, are, there isn't one that covers all issues, which makes it mm-hmm. difficult. The EFF are great at providing advice on latest tools, for instance, and strategies for staying safe. I'm really impressed by the work that they do. If you want to find out And maybe this is aimed more at people that believe they have nothing to hide. Um, Publications like TechCrunch are pretty good at uh, notifying the world about hacks. It's always really interesting to go to sites like Pastebin if there's been a hack. And then seeing the data, that's often more confronting than reading 49 million and the email addresses and passwords have been compromised if you actually see it, see the data, and I think that helps. Um, what also helps is just Googling um, how to hack a password and finding that there is so much information out there that the software that enables you to do that really easily. And I suppose just seeing and playing with those things um, means that you're suddenly aware that this isn't something that's unreal, but actually something that can quite easily be done and be done by most people or accessed by most people. So that changes, I suppose, the risk perception of things we do. And then it's so much easier to just go and use tools that are good.
0: Yeah, so do you think the increased uh, number of breaches uh, being made public is, is going to overcome the apathy that a lot of people have about digital privacy or uh, or do you think what do you think will happen in terms of how people care about privacy in the months and years ahead?
1: So at the moment we're seeing an increased interest in privacy, which is great, but mm-hmm. I do think people are going to get data breach fatigue that often Happens when there's a lot of something. Unfortunately, what we're seeing in terms of reported data breaches is only the tip of the iceberg. We know that not everything is being reported. It's really hard for businesses to work out what a breach is unless it's on a massive scale. And we know that most countries in the world aren't doing data breach reporting yet. So we've got no idea how big this problem is.
0: How can parents ensure that their kids are well-versed in digital defense? Is it important that kids be tech-savvy? Uh, should parents be teaching their kids to be cautious or even skeptical? Lots of soft
1: skills. So things like don't reveal your real name, age, location. For children, that's very important. Um, so that it means things like when they go and set up their first email address, that that doesn't reveal who they are that wouldn't be safe because email addresses get used all over the place. And it's not just a matter of saying it once with children, you need to do lots of reinforcement. Um, But it does work. I was pleasantly surprised. I have a young adult daughter and she has only recently changed her email so that it's actually her name. And for a while I was thinking, why have you got this strange email? But it was because she'd been told not, and who she really was. So it's lovely when that works. And parents just need to keep an eye on what their children are doing. And I don't believe in monitoring, but occasionally just check in and see what platforms people are using, what they're posting, and just teach some good online behavior.
0: Sure. So how about people who are helping elderly relatives or friends? Uh, what, what can they do to help those elderly loved ones, uh, protect their privacy.
1: Yeah. So for elderly people, it's really important that they use secure applications. They're a lot more digitally vulnerable than most people. Um, so definitely encrypted email messaging apps, encrypted SMS and, um, it's important to talk to them because they usually have really tight networks and very concrete people that they talk to about making those relationships online safe. Unfortunately, the tech isn't too scary. It's actually quite. Mm
0: -hmm. Right, right. Yeah, like we said earlier, that's that's improved quite a bit uh, recently. Yes. You've witnessed digital privacy trends over the last several years. Are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future of personal digital privacy?
1: It makes me committed to continue to build privacy-centric technology. I think we need more of it. Um, It means that I talk to other tech businesses about increasing their levels of privacy and security. We're a long way from having all tech companies by privacy and security by design. But I believe we need to get there. But that's a long way off. Um, And I think we're going through a battle where people are giving lots of privacy and giving away lots of data. In order to get access to free applications, we've given away a lot about ourselves. And people are starting to draw some of that back and I think that is a really positive trend, but it's going to be slow.
0: Continuing to look into the future, what role do you predict that artificial intelligence will play? Do you think it will be a net positive uh, for digital privacy or a net negative?
1: It really depends who's using it. So if you're using it to increase privacy, it can do that. It can do monitoring, make sure that. Um, the system hasn't failed it can be used for all sorts of things and machine learning in particular is really great at making smarter analysis and really good decisions about very clear topics it's not good at complex things like us humans but there is a real danger that in this hype about ai that we're seeing at the moment that people are using it for everything. Just like a few years ago, people were using blockchain for everything. And in the 50s, people thought because plastic had just been produced on scale, everything was going to be plastic. We tend to, through this phase where we believe a technology is going to solve all of our problems, well, that's not true. Over the next few years, I think we'll get a better idea about what AI is good for and what it's not good for and we will need to be vigilant because it can be used for all sorts of things and I think surveillance is a major area in which it's going to be applied.
0: Sphere identities products help both consumers and businesses. We have talked about some things that individuals should do to protect their privacy. What are your top recommendations for businesses, especially micro and small businesses?
1: Yeah, so it's really important to be security aware if you're security aware then privacy awareness almost follows i don't believe that those two are opposed and it's about using smart tools it's about really thinking about what sort of relationship you want with your customer and i think we've moved beyond the days where it was get as much data as possible because we never know when we might need it and New relationships with customers can be formed on the basis of data minimization. That's a really respectful relationship. And if you're delivering a good service and not asking too much in terms of data, then you're likely to make customers feel really comfortable. You need to be very mindful about how you're using that data, how you're storing that data, and you need to be really transparent about that. Now that we have consent, that's not just a paper exercise or an exercise where people tick boxes on websites. That's actually saying what you're doing and how long you're going to hold the data for and when you're going to get rid of it. And I believe that the businesses that do um, customer data management really well with privacy in mind will become superior businesses. Is that something that naturally appeals to
0: the market? It's been interesting to observe businesses over the last year and a half kind of leading up to GDPR going into effect, uh, and then over the last year of its being in effect. Prior to GDPR, a lot of businesses collected as much data as possible. Uh, their attitude was collected, even if we don't need it right now, because someday we'll, we may figure out some use for it. But since GDPR, it seems that that approach has plateaued and maybe even begun to decline. Uh, Businesses are motivated by the threat of legal action, uh, as well as consumers caring more about who they're giving their data to and what's happening with it.
1: I think we're going to continue to see lots of change around that. Mm -hmm.
0: Do you have any other warnings, advice, or even encouragement that you'd like to share before we conclude?
1: So in terms of encouraging people, I'd say find out as much as possible and be really conscious of the tools that you use. It, we now have a really important role to play as consumers in that we can actually ask organizations things about what they're doing with our data. We can be quite vocal. We don't like something. And that will end up meaning that organizations change the way they do things. So being an active consumer is really important there. I do have concerns because there are still lots of applications out there, platforms out there that are talking about introducing privacy features, but that's not enough. You can't have a private system just by introducing a few widgets that, And unfortunately, privacy by design is something that's really difficult to retrofit it's much easier for new businesses to build private um, applications than it is for existing ones so we need to be really skeptical if businesses are saying we're now doing things in a very private way because the chances of them technically and organizationally achieving that is quite low so i'm Still a bit worried about that, and I think other consumers should be, too.
0: Yeah, in the security space, we have a term security theater, which refers to measures that give the appearance of security so that people feel more comfortable, but which really do little or nothing to actually increase security. And the same thing can happen in the privacy space when organizations make minor changes, such as displaying a privacy policy, but they're not making changes that significantly protect privacy
1: right or not because it will touch every aspect of your business it's it's not just about the technology you can't do this just by programming a few things
0: right right catherine for people who want to learn more about you or about sphere identity where should they go to learn more
1: yeah so sphereidentity.com and we're also really active on twitter and linkedin as i am so it would be great to hear from you
0: Catherine, thank you for sharing your knowledge with us today. Again, I'm joined by Catherine Noel, CEO of Sphere Identity. And I'm Chad Warner, teaching you to defend your digital life. Have a great day, Catherine.
1: Thanks, Chad. Bye.
0: Well, thanks for persevering through the audio issues. Hope you still found that interview educational. Uh, You can find text of the audio uh, written out, questions and answers in the blog post that goes along with this episode at DefendingDigital.com. So what should you do as as a result of what we've heard? One, educate yourself by following sources that discuss digital privacy. In addition to Defending Digital, of course, consider the EFF, Electronic Frontier Foundation, and TechCrunch. If you're willing to go to the next level, look at breached data online and Google how to hack a password so that the dangers can become real to you. Two, Use secure communication tools whenever you're communicating sensitive data. Search online to find out which tools are best for you. A good place to start is the episode and blog post that I did on secure messaging. Three, think carefully before you give up your privacy and data in exchange for services or access. Think about the long-term ramifications of how that organization will use your data, and how they might share it, and what would happen if it got hacked. Four, find out how companies will use your data. Find out how they're using and storing data, how long they hold it, and when they get rid of it. If you don't like what you hear, politely inform them how you would like them to respect your privacy and data. 5. Consider using this, the free Sphere Identity app to securely store and share your identity documents. 6. If you're a parent, teach your kids to guard their name, age, and location online. Keep an eye on what your kids do online, what platforms they use, what they post. Teach and model good online behavior to them. Teach and remind them more than once to reinforce the lessons. And seven, help elderly loved ones choose secure communication tools and help them be wise about how they handle relationships online. That's all for today. You can learn more about digital privacy and security at defendingdigital.com.